ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله بسم الله بدأت اللهم افتح علينا فتح العارفين وتوفيق الصالحين وادهمنا رشدنا بالدنيا والدين الحمد لله so he begins Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim wa sallallahu ala nabiyyil kareem inna Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yaqulu fi muhkami kitabihi yukhatibu hadihi al-ummata al-muhammadiyata bi kareemi khitabihi thumma awrathna al-kitab al-ladhina astafayna min ibadina faminhum zalimun li nafsihi wa minhum muqtafidun wa minhum sabiqun bil khayrat bi idhnillah thalik huwa al-fadru al-kabir jannatu adnin so he begins uh, his book, Sanan al-Muhtadin, with this verse. And the book is basically a commentary on this verse from Surah Al-Fatir. The verse, uh, the verse says that we have given as an inheritance the book. Those who we have chosen from amongst our servants. He gives his, uh, his bounty to whomever he pleases. You can't question Allah. You can't ask Allah why he does something. Why there's Muslims and why there's non-Muslims. Why there's believers and why there's disbelievers. Why there's all these different religions. Why there's... Uh, why there's evil in the world, all of these questions, which do in our tradition have metaphysical responses, but in, in terms of why Allah would allow these things, it's not for us to say. It's, it's for us to accept the situation and then to respond accordingly, because Allah tells us He's going to try us, there's going to be difficulties, and, and there's responses to any given circumstances that you find yourselves in. We cannot determine you know, at least not in any unlimited way. We can determine to a certain extent our circumstances. I mean, for instance, we're here, we planned our trip, we, uh, you know, we have this place, we have uh, an order, all those things we've determined. But you cannot determine the outcomes. So you can do tadbir, which is closer more to takhtiq. Um The reason that, you know, Abu Hassan al-Shadri has a famous saying, إِن كُنْتَ لَبُدَّ مِنَ التَّدْبِيرِ فَدَبِّرْ أَلَّا تُدَبِّرْ If you have to manage your affairs, manage not to manage them. But it's really looking at the word tadbir because dabbara means to determine the outcome. The dubr of a shay is the, the outcome of a thing. We can't do that. Right? And, and the Arabs say, an insan yudabbir, wallah yuqaddir. The human being plans, but Allah determines. So you have your plan and Allah has His plan. Tawfiq is when they're the same for good. Khidlan is when your plan and Allah's plan are in conflict. Right? So tawfiq is when Allah's, His rida and your plan are consistent. So what He's saying here is that the, the book has been given to those whom he has chosen from amongst his servants. 
But then he puts them into three categories. And this is very important because each of those categories is still amongst the chosen. He begins with the vanim, the one who's oppressing himself. Because oppression is of two types. You oppress others and you oppress yourself. In oppressing others, you're also oppressing yourself. But there can be things that you simply oppress yourself in. For instance, wasting your time. Because time is such a precious commodity that God has given us. I mean, I, I shouldn't even use that word commodity. But they do call it in the Arabic tradition, rasmal. It's your capital. It's, it's time is capital. But real capital, real wealth. Because you have real wealth and then you, you have what appears to be wealth. And gold and silver is, is not real wealth in the spiritual sense. It's real wealth in the material sense. But in the spiritual sense, it could be real wealth if you use it uh, in a way that's pleasing to Allah, or it could be actually harmful for you. So in that way, it's not enriching you, it's actually impoverishing you. And so when he says that we chose amongst our servants these three, this, the middle one is muqtasid, and he's put in the middle. Allah puts him in the middle because he is, the vanimun li nafsihi is shortchanging himself. The muqtasid is, he's moderate. In, you know, he's kharatu ambanan salihan wa akhrasiyya, mixing good and bad. He does, he's between the two. And, and finally, sabiqun bil khayrat is the outstripper. The one who's really uh, taking advantage of life on earth. And those are a sabiqun, a sabiqun. Ula'ikan muqarrabun. The sabiqun are the muqarrabun. They're the closest to God. And, and, and musabaqa is to vie. Sabiqu bil khairat. Vie in virtue. And so the sabiq is the outstripper. Ashab al-yameen, zalimun li nafsi wa maqtasidun. This also relates to the three nafs. Nafs al-Amara, nafs al-Lawama, and nafs al-Mutma'inna. The nafs al-Amara, the zalimun li nafsihi, the Amara has more influence on him than the Mutma'inna. Right? If you want modern terminology, the id and the superego, right? You have the id is, the, is your shahawat, your impulses, your desires. The id is commanding you and the superego is not acting appropriately to suppress uh, those urges when they're unhealthy. Because they, those urges, the source of them is healthy. The appetite to be hungry is healthy. If you lose your appetite, it's called anorexia. Right? You don't have an appetite. It's, that's what it means, literally. Anorexia, without appetite. So um, it's not healthy. Shahwa is healthy. But when the shahwa is determining everything, then it's taken over. And so now the markab is the rakib. So the vehicle becomes the, the driver. Right? Because the shahwa is, is it's, it's to get you somewhere. But once it takes over, it's taking you not to the right place, it's taking you to the wrong place. And so, وَمِنْهُمْ سَابِقٌ بِالْخَيْرَاتِ But then he says, بِإِذْنِ The reason for that, that Allah says about the سَابِقٌ بِالْخَيْرَاتِ بِإِذْنِ is so the kibr doesn't get in. That it's by the permission of Allah that you're سَابِقٌ بِالْخَيْرَاتِ it's, it's, it's bounty from Allah 
Because somebody, very often the way Shaitan gets in, and for those of you who have read C.S. Lewis's Screwtape Letters, I think he does a very good job at describing how the Shaitan uh, can take somebody who is practicing piety and practicing uh, their religion and distort that and fill their heart with pride and give them spiritual diseases. Ibn Atayilah says, Rubba ma'asiyatan awrathat dhullan وَانْكِسَارًا خَيْرٌ مِنْ طَاعْتًا أَوْرَثَتْ عِزًا وَاسْتِكْبَارًا Sometimes a, a ma'asiyah, an act of disobedience that results in humbleness and brokenness which leads to tawbah is better than an action of obedience that leads to arrogance and pride. So one of the reasons why the sins have been decreed for us is to keep us humble and to keep us uh, broken before our Lord. Because if you're uh, outstripping, then you have this danger. And this is why uh, Allah says, All to be chosen to receive the book from Allah is the real fadl. This is the great bounty, the great gift of dunya. It's not to have jah, it's not to have wealth or power or influence. Those, those can be good things in the world. But the real wealth, the real, the true bounty is to be given guidance and revelation. And then Allah says, jannatu adinin yadkhulunaha they enter in to the gardens of Eden. All three, all three enter into the garden. Yadkhulunaha. Jannatu Adam yadkhulunaha. Yuhallawna fiha min asawra min dhahabin wa They're ornamented with bracelets from gold and pearls. Right? This, is, this is one of the gifts that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, gives. So they're ornamented with asawira, min asawira, min dhahabin, wa lu'lu'a, fiha harir, and they wear fine clothes, like silk. And then Allah said, وَقَالُوا الْحَمْدُ hazan." Praise be to the one who has removed grief, sorrow, and sadness from our hearts. Because the nature of dunya is grief, sorrow, and sadness. And, and this is something that people don't understand. This, people want to be happy psychologically. One of the things that Aristotle did in his Nicomachean Ethics, which was a foundational book for Muslims in our tradition, because it was Arabized by Ibn Miskawi, uh, and then it was the process of its aslama, was through uh, Raghab al-Isfahani, Imam al-Ghazali, who wrote Mizan al-Amal. So, uh, because Aristotle was, was given a lot of gifts, and he definitely, uh, he was given a hikmah, and the Prophet said, al-hikmatu dalatun mu'min. The hik- wisdom is the lost property of a, of a believer. Wherever he finds it, he has more right to it. And this is why the Muslims were syncretists. Wherever they went, they benefited from the knowledges of the people that they found. 
Salman al-Farisi taught the trench warfare. The Prophet ﷺ didn't say, this is a Persian bid'ah, we're not going to do this. He said, that's a good idea. People don't understand the, the, the trench because uh, Medina was between these two, what they called Labatani. Laba in, in, in Arabic is lava. Laba. Ba and va are labials. So lava, they were lava tracks. And the, the Medina had these lava tracks around them, but there was one area that didn't. It wasn't protected because lava, uh, the lava tracks, you can't ride on them and you can't, it's very difficult to walk on them. If you've ever seen the lava tracks in Medina, if you go outside of Medina where they still are, because they've removed most of them. But if you go out, you can't walk on them because they're really sharp and pointed. So Medina was protected. But there was one area that was open, and this is where they built the trench. So they couldn't get around them, and then they were in the trench, right? And, and so when the, 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 but the point of that is, that's another story. The point of that is, is that Salman was the one that suggested the trench. And the Prophet said it's a good idea, and because he saw trench warfare in Persia. And so he took something from another culture introduced it, and the Prophet ﷺ said, that's useful for us. The Arabs, when they got there, they'd never seen it. They didn't know what to do, because they weren't used to that. And the Prophet ﷺ said, al-harbu khud'ah, war is deception. That also begins uh, the great treatise on war by Sun, uh, Sun Tzu. War is deception. The nature of war is you want to trick your enemy into thinking one thing and doing another thing. So, now, so the grief, the point of this is that Aristotle said that grief, you know, that happiness, true happiness cannot be determined at any point in one's life. Happiness is the sum total of the entire life. <laughs> to be sa'id or to be shaqi is not determined at any one point in your life. And this is why the Western pursuit of happiness is a psychological state. And this is why they will use antidepressants to get that state. Because they want to be happy psychologically, not realizing that happiness is a spiritual state, not a psychological state. It's a spiritual state of being, according to Aristotle, of being virtuous. In our tradition, of being amongst the people of Sa'ada, which are the, the Su'ada are the people, Taha, ma al-Quran, litashqa. We didn't send this book for you to be miserable. Mafhum al-Mukhalifa, anzalnahu litasad. We sent it for you to be happy. Fabidarika falyafrahu. Let them rejoice in the book and the sunnah. It's better than what they're gathering from dunya that they're trying to make them happy. Because every pursuit in life is a pursuit for happiness. If you ask somebody, what do you want in life? They say, I want money. Money is not an end. Because you'll say, why do you want money? And they'll say, well, uh, because it'll give me freedom. Why do you want freedom? You can keep asking them that. In the end, they have to come to the conclusion what they really want is to be happy. And that's why happiness 
is an end in itself. It's not a means to another thing. I'm not happy to fall in love. I fall in love to be happy. I'm not pursuing wealth merely to the pursuit of what, unless it's pathological. Because you, you, you can have, like, there are people that are pathological. They're, they're, they're diseased people. They have pathologies, like the miser who collects wealth. Not He doesn't benefit from it. He's actually poor. Because wealth is what you use. It's not what you have. Your risk, there's a khilaf amongst the ulama, but the risk really is what you use, not what, what you have. Because you might be acquiring it for somebody else, and you don't even know it. So happiness is, is what we want, but you are going to, to have difficulties in your life. And that's why you have to be spiritually fortified for them. This is, this is the nature of life. This is a daruham. It's an abode of anxiety. It's an abode of depression. It's an abode of concern. Right? This is the great noble truth that, uh, you know, the Eastern traditions, that life is suffering. Life is suffering in that the nature of life is its impermanence. And things that are impermanent will never give you true satisfaction. The only thing that will satisfy you in life is what's permanent. And the only thing that is permanent is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is why no matter what you're going after in dunya, it's all an illusion that you're pursuing if you're not pursuing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be in a state of knowing your Lord. Because with that comes happiness. With that comes contentment. And this is why the awliya are the most contented people in the world. Nothing phases them. It doesn't mean they don't have fear. They can have fear. It doesn't mean they don't get depressed. The Prophet got depressed. We know that, that he had huzn. When his son died, he grieved. Grief is a human condition. It's not a negative thing. In fact, grief can open up a door that might have been closed before it happened. And Allah will often put grief into your life in order for you to call on Him and come back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why you have to embrace the, that gift. Because if you're a believer, it's a gift. You might not see it, but it is a gift. This is our belief. عَجِبًا لِأَمْرِ الْمُؤْمَنِ فَإِنَّ أَمْرُهُ كُلَّهُ لَهُ خَيَرٌ Sahih Muslim, Sahih al-Rumi said, our Prophet said, how wondrous is the believer's affair because all of it is good. إِنْ أَبْتَدَاهُ صَبَرٌ If he tries him, if God tries you, he's patient. And if he gives you, he's grateful. Now, there are those who will see the gift in the tribulation, and then that's the highest maqam. قَلِيلٌ مِنْ عِبَادِيَ shakur. Few of my servants are always grateful. Shakur is always grateful. Right? And what does, what does Iblis want? He wants to make sure that we're not grateful. That's his whole game, is to remove gratitude from your heart. So either you have patience or you have gratitude. But to be in any other state is to be in a dangerous state. And shaitan wants you, he says, you will find most of them aren't grateful. That's what he wants, ingratitude. Why? Because he's an ingrate. Kufr means ingratitude. 
kufran and ni'ma. Iblis is an ingrate. And this is why, see, Muslims now, they complain all the time. They complain about their hukam. They complain about their uh, social conditions, their economic conditions. It's all complaining. That's all Muslims do. We are the best complainers on the planet. And the thing about complaining, Allah will just give you more to complain about. You, you, want, you want something to really complain about? And then people say, wow, that, we, we thought it was bad then. Look at it now. <laughs> right? That's what the Prophet said, the end of time, the fitan turafiqu ba'duha ba'da. Kullu man nazalat fitan, yaqul mahlakati mahlakati. I'm finished, I'm finished. And then the next one that comes, it's easier than the first. And this is why, if you're not grateful, la'an shikartum la'azidannakum. Right? If you're grateful, I'll increase you. But, but if, you're, if you're an ingrate, na'adabi ashadid, my adab is fierce. If you want to be ungrateful, I'll give you plenty to be ungrateful about. And that's why gratitude is the best state to be in. The best state to be in is to be in a state of just thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you're in aman, thank God you're not in chaos. If you're in chaos, right, thank God you have iman. At least you have some frame to understand it. Because there's people in chaos that lose their faith. Right? And, and the idea of losing faith, I mean, may Allah not try any of us with great tribulations, you know, because, but the whole point of faith, you know, and it, the new atheists, their argument is that faith is unreasoned belief. For us, it's not. It's reasonable. Our, our religion is a, a, a religion, the Quran is filled with proofs. Look at the dead earth, how we brought it to life. Don't you think we can do that to you? You know, use your brain. Do you, do you think this all came out of nothing? Do you think you were created for no reason? Right? Does he think he's just going to be left without any reckoning? That he can go and do all this horrible stuff in the world? You know, to oppress people, steal their wealth, rape their children... Right? Do all these terrible things and what? Nothing's going to happen to them? So, these three, the ni nafsihi, the one oppressing himself, the muqtasid, and the sabiqun bil khairat, they are all part of this ummah, if they're believers. And this is why, yadkhuluna, jannatu adanin, yadkhulunaha. All of them will enter into paradise. Maybe they'll have a period of purification. Right? They might have to go through some type of pasteurization, you know, the flash heating, and to remove all the impurities. That's possible. Ali ibn Abbas ibn Mas'ud, two of the greatest of the interpreters of our religion from amongst the Sahaba. Al-Asnafu al-Thalathatu kulluha fi hadir ummat al-Muhammadiyati wa kulluhum fil jannah. All of them are part of the Prophet's ummah and all of them are in paradise. And that's why don't belittle people. If you see a mubtala, if you see a Muslim who's in tribulation, if he's smoking, drinking, if he still has la ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah, he's from the ummah and he has hurma. And the other people are from the ummah al-da'wah. You have ummah al-istijaba and ummah al-da'wah. Sometimes in the hadith when the Prophet says ummati, he doesn't just mean the believers. He means also the people who haven't believed yet. 
or the disbelievers because they're part of his ummah. So there are hadiths where he, the, the ulama will actually say, what, here he's most likely talking about ummah da'wah wal istijaba. Both of them. Because he'll say, my ummah, a'maru ummati ma bayna sitina wa sab'een. The, 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 the age of my ummah, not just Muslims, non-Muslims, is between 60 and 70. Well, isn't it a coincidence that most life on earth today is between 60 and 70 years? Because previous peoples had either shorter or longer lifespans. The ancients had very long lifespans. But he said his ummah would be 60 and 70. So the majority of his ummah, both Muslims and non-Muslims, will live between 60 and 70 years. قَالَتْ عَائِشَةُ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهَا Aisha, now we've got a third, a major uh, interpreter of Islam. دَخُلُوا الْجَنَّةَ كُلُّهُمْ All of them go into paradise. قَالَ كَعْبِ الْأَحْبَارِ كَعْبِ الْأَحْبَارِ is a great uh, Yemeni. He was one of the tabi'een. Some people say he was uh, from a Jewish family. Others say he was actually from a his mother was a Himyarite and his father was Persian. There's khilaf about uh, Afwan. I'm, I'm not, I'm thinking about uh, Wahab. Um, Ka'b al-Ahbar was one of the, uh, the people that knew the Jewish tradition. And he had a lot of knowledge. And, and a lot of the Israelite come from him. The Prophet said, Hadithu an bani Israel wa la haraj. So Ka'b al-Ahbar um, said, استوت مناكبهم ورب الكعبة. By the Lord of this house, their paths are equal. Right? These three. Their paths are equal. وتفاضلوا بعمارهم. But where they're different, they're all going to Jannah, but where they're different is in their actions. So the more action, the higher your maqam. It's like, one of the interesting things about the souq of Medina, the Prophet ﷺ, his souq was an open, uh, it was what we would call today like the flea markets in the West where first come, first serve. In, in the, the, he did not allow people to have stalls. It was the first people that got there got the best place. That was the, the souq of Medina. So the, early, the earliest people to the souq got to choose where they set up. And obviously every souk has the best places and then you don't want to be in the very back where nobody goes. Um, and this is why even today in malls, but depending on the position, if there's gonna, you're going to pay more for your position. Well, this journey to Allah is like this. The first people to get there are going to get, it's like the best hotels but then when you get there, there, that's already sold out. You have to go to that hotel. Now, they're all getting there, but it's, going, it's not going to be the same. So this is the, the munafasa of khayr, this vying for good. Because paradise uh, is, there's, there's darajat, there's degrees in paradise. The people that do more here will have more there. But all of it is fawz. If you get in, you, 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 you've had victory. So no portion of paradise is belittled. It's all uh, foes. وَقَالَ أَبُوْ إِسْحَاقَ سُبَيْعِ أَمَّا الَّذِي سَمِعْتُ مُنْذُ سِتِّينَ سَنَةً كُلُّهُمْ نَاجِ Everything that I have heard 
for the last 60 years, in other words, from the, the ulama, was that all of them are safe. Uh, they're saved. All of them have salvation. وَقَرَأْ عُمَرَ بِنَ الْخَطَّابَ هَذِي الْآيَةِ ثُمَّ قَارَ قَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ سَابِقُونَ سَابِقُونَ وَمُقْتَصِدُونَ نَاجٍ وَظَالِمُونَ مَغْفُورٌ لَهُ Umar radiallahu read this verse from Fatir and then he said, Sabiquna, our outstripper is, is Sabiq. He's, he's, he won the race. He's the first one there. It doesn't mean he's the only one that finished. He's the first one there. Muqtasiduna Najin. The second one is Najin. He, he's saved. So he gets the second, third, fourth prize. Vadimuna maghfurun lahu. Right? He might have passed out on the way, but the ambulance comes and takes him to the finish line. Right? He's forgiven. And this is why at the end when it says, إِنَّ رَبَّنَا لَغَفُورٌ شَكُورٌ The end of the verse is, Our Lord is غَفُور for the ظالم لِنَفْسِهِ شَكُور Right? Forgiving and grateful. But if you rely on this general statement that you're forgiven, then you're deluded. So this is a warning from Sidi uh, al-Mawaq. Don't get deluded. If you don't follow the paths of the rightly guided. One of the great uh, early righteous people, he was a friend of Ahmed ibn Hanbal's and uh, he was originally from, from uh, Karakh. طَرَبَ الْجَنَّةِ بِلَا عَمْرٍ ذَنْبٌ مِنَ الذُّنُوبِ وَانْتِثَارُ الشَّفَاعَةِ بِلَا سَبَبٍ نُوعٍ مِنَ الْغُرُورِ وَرَجَاءُ رَحْمَةِ مَنْ لَا يُطَاعْ حُمْقٌ وَجَهْلٌ To seek paradise without actions is sinfulness from amongst the sins. To wait for the intercession of the Prophet without any taking any means is delusion. And to hope for Allah's mercy, for the mercy of one that you don't obey, is stupidity and ignorance. And that's why the Prophet said, help me with some portion of the night. You know, he said, help me get, get you across the sirat. Do something so that I can, I, can, I can do my job. You have to do your job so that I can do my job. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. وَأَنَا إِن شَاءَ اللَّهِ تَعَالَىٰ أَذْكُرُ فِي كِتَابِ هَذَا أَدَبَ هَذِي الْأَصْنَافِ الثَّلَاثَةِ So I'm going to make mention in this book the adab of these three categories. الَّتِي ذَكَرَ اللَّهُ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَىٰ وَأَتَكَلَّمُ عَلَيْهَا فِي تِسَعَةِ مَقَامَاتِ بَعْضُهَا أَوْ بَعْضِهَا أَعْلَى مِنْ بَعْضِ So I'm going to talk about six, nine different stations, maqamat. Some of them are higher than others. I'll begin with the ninth maqam, and then descend to the next maqam, and then to the first maqam. And then I will begin to ascend to the second maqam, the third, to the ninth. وَبِهِ أَخْتِمُ خَتَمَ اللَّهُ لِي بِهِ وَبِمَنِّهِ وَفَضْرِهِ And I will finish it with the highest maqam. And then he says, خَتَمَ اللَّهُ لِي بِهِ May Allah make this my khatima, that I'm in that maqam when I die. بِمَنِّهِ وَفَضْرِهِ 
You see, this is the, the understanding, but through his grace and his bounty. I'm going to mention the tadalli uh, in, I'm going to bridge this. But elevation, so the, the descending ranks, I'm going to not speak a lot about them. Um, but on the ascending ones, I'll speak more about them. was a book written by uh, the great Shafi'i scholar Al-Mawardi, and so he's, he said he's going to use that. Hearts are find repose in or comfort in a lot of variety. Like, if you talk about the same thing all the time, people get bored. They say the fanatic is somebody who always speaks about, who, who only has one thing on his mind, right? And, and he'll never change the subject. It's just the same thing over and over again. Whereas this is, he's saying, I'm going to talk about different things. Mamun was the, the ruler. He would move about in his palace from one place to another and he would recite the verses from Abu Atahiyah was a famous poet that talked a lot about death and لا يصلح النفس إذ كانت مدبرة إلا تنقل من حال إلى حال. That nothing will benefit the soul if it's moving away, you know, in a negative sense, except to change conditions. So if if you're if you're going down a bad road, you you need to be change your circumstances. You need to change your condition. وَكَذَلِكَ قَوْلَ عِيَادٍ فِي صَدْرِ مَدَارِكِهِ قَوْلَ عِيَادٍ wrote a famous book, Tartib al-Madarik, about the great Maliki scholars. And he said in it, جَمَعْنَا مِنْ أَخْبَارِ أَعْيَانَ الْمَالِكِيَةِ وَسِيَرِ قُضَاتِهِمْ وَنَوَادِرَ مِنْ فَتَاوَ فُقَهَائِهِمْ مَا يَحْتَاجُ الْحُكَّامُ إِلَيْهِ وَلَا غِنًا لِلْعُلَمَاءِ عَنْهُ So he said, I have gathered in this book stories of the great Maliki scholars, أعيان, the notables. And, and, and the siyar, the, 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 the biographies of the great judges, and also unusual stories, uh, unusual things from their fatawa, the fatawa, the, the, the responsi, the, the legal responses of the jurists, what rulers need and ulama should not be unaware of. Like they, they need it as well. أثبتنا من من مناهج صلحائهم ما ترجى بركاته and I have I have confirmed from the ways of the righteous in what we would hope to get from their blessings. فقد قال سفيان عند ذكر الصالحين تنزل الرحمة. سفيان the great jurist said when you mention the righteous mercy descends. And so there's important truth about making mention of righteous people. وَقَارَ أَبُوْ حَنِيفَةَ الْحِكَايَاتِ عَنَ الْعُلَمَاءِ أَحَبُّ إِلَيَّ مِنْ كَثِيرًا مِنَ الْفِقْهِ That I prefer to listen to the stories of the righteous even more than a lot of fiqh. So the stories of the righteous are very important. وَانْتَقَيْنَ أَثْنَا ذَارِكَ مِنْ مُلَحِ آدَابِهِمْ مَا يُنَشِّقُ النَّفْسَ عِنْدَ كَسْرِهَا 
ويسقل عنها رين صدائها فقد قال علي رضي الله عنه سل النفوس ساعة ساعة فإنها تصدى كما يصدى الحديد and I have chosen from amongst them ملحي آدابهم ملحى الحريري وربوكر ملحة الإعراب these are like the you know like a bon, bon, uh, the bon mot in, in uh, you know like these uh, clever things that they said you know interesting things witticisms and things uh, that they have said from the adab of these people that will excite the nafs in a good way energize the nafs the soul when it's lazy it will remove the rust when the soul the heart gets rusty because ali said give yourselves some entertainment in the tasliya give yourselves some entertainment uh, because the hearts will grow weary if you're always if you don't have something to to lighten things up if it's always heavy uh, then you're going to get worn out وحدثني شيخنا المنتوري المنتوري was one of the great ulama of Andalusia he's the sheikh of Sidi al-Mawaq and he comes from a long line of great ulama Ibn Lubbin uh, was his teacher this is from the madrasa of Imam al-Shatabi these are the great maqasidi fuqaha and jurists going back to Ibn Abd al-Barr Qad Iyad Ibn Abd al-Barr Qadi Abu Bakr Ibn al-Arabi really truly great giants in our tradition and he said that Al-Minturi uh, related to me bi sanadihi in a sanad muttasil which is the way of our tradition ila Abu al-Abbas ibn al-Arif ibn al-Arif who died in the uh, early 6th century was a great uh, scholar from Marrakesh and he has a famous book called Al-Majalis which just recently got published um, Dr. Ashaq gave it to me it's a, a brilliant book about the stations and so he was sitting with him. Ibn al-Arif was uh, a... Uh, he said, قَالَ كُنْتُ فِي مَجْلِسِ أُسْتَاذِ أَبِي عَالِيَ الصَّدَفِ Abu Ali al-Sadafi was a student of Ibn Abd al-Barr. Ibn Abd al-Barr is called Hafid al-Maghrib, one of the greatest muhadithin in the history of Islam. Uh, he knew over 100,000 hadith. He wrote the famous Istidkar, uh, many, many, many books. He wrote Fadr al-Ilm. Um, Abu Ali was his student. Ibn, Ibn al-Arif was learning hadith from this great muhaddith. Now listen to this story. I'm reading hadith with him. So he's reading the hadith of the Prophet وسلم, and then he closed the book. وَجَعَلَ يَحْكِي حِكَايَةَ الصَّالِحِينَ فَوَقَعَ فِي نَفْسِي كَيْفَ يُجِيزُ الشَّيْخِ أَنْ يَقْطَعْ حَدِيثَ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ وَيَحْكِي الْحِكَايَةِ So he's just thinking in his heart, how could the shaykh leave the hadith and start talking about stories about the salihin? قَالَ فَمَا تَمَّ لِيَ الْخَاطِرُ I didn't complete my thought. حَتَّى نَظَرَ إِلَيَّ شَيْخُ شَزْرًا Until the shaykh looked askance at me. You know, askance, like, you know, what's up with you? 
فقال يا أحمد الحكايات جند من جنود الله Stories are soldiers from the soldiers of God. In other words, they reinforce you. A soldier is to protect you. These are soldiers from the soldiers of God. This is the way the hearts of those who know God are strengthened and affirmed. There wasn't a, a hair on my flesh that didn't start sweating. This is called kish. فَلَمَّ رَآنِي دُهِشْتُ When he saw that I was really shocked, قَالَ لِي يَا أَحْمَدْ أَيْنَ مِسْتَاقُ ذَلِكَ مِنْ كِتَابِ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى Where do you find the truth of that in the book of Allah? What he just told him. He said, أَشَيْخُ أَعْلَمْ The sheikh knows better. قَالَ قَوْلُهُ تَعَالَى كُلًّا نَقُصُّ عَلَيْكَ مِنْ أَنْبَاءِ الرُّسُرِ مَا نُثَبِّتُ بِهِ فُؤَادَكَ These are the stories of the prophets that we tell you in order to strengthen your heart. And this is for the prophets. Now, the, the stories of the prophets also strengthen our heart, but prophets are prophets. When we hear the stories of the salihun, we know that we can be like them. We can't be like the prophets. We can emulate to the best of our ability, but we can be like the righteous. And that's why their stories are to us what the prophet's stories were to the prophet They strengthen our heart. Now, just, you know, when I, I, when I was first studying with Marab Tarhad, my teacher in, in Suleymarat, uh, I, I was... I was sitting with him, and, and I, he had me the, for, for the first three months. He, he actually had me. I, I lived in his tent and slept on the same khapta with him, like on the bed. And I was the only student that I was told that he ever uh, did that with. But, and then I wanted to go and make my own. He didn't tell me to go. I just started feeling, you know, you know, all the other students were over in the student housing, which were basically um, little twig huts which made from sack, old sacks of rice. So anyway, I was sitting with them, and uh, I was looking at his uh, his dara, you know, his his. His robe and it had a lot of dust on it, very dirty. And I was thinking, it just occurred to my heart, and Navafatu min al iman. Just occurred to my heart. He was reading, and he closed his book and he looked at me and he said, Hamza. Have you ever heard the hadith al-badadatum min al-iman? And I said, no. And he said, atadri al-badada? Do you know what badada is? I said, no. He said, jeeb al-qamus. Go get the dictionary. Because he used the dictionary of al-fairuz abadi. So he went, I went and got the qamus and I looked up badada. And it said, 
having no consideration for the appearance of your clothes. And a few years after that, I was in Medina, and I mentioned that to some people, and one of the people there said, I find that hadith difficult to... And I, I went to the bookstore and, and, and I saw the book of Hujjat Kandahlawi, Hujjat Allah al-Bariga. And I actually bought it, it's still in my library, and I have the page marked. Um, and I, I just opened it. You know, I wasn't looking for anything. I opened it and it said, as for the hadith, uh, the hadith al-Tahur, shatr al-Iman, wal-ahadith al-lati waradat fil-nadafa, la tunafi al-hadith al-badadha min al-Iman. As for the hadiths that are all about cleanliness, they don't negate the hadiths about uh, unkeptness. Because the hadiths about unkeptness are for the Bedouin. Because if the Bedouin didn't have that hadith, they would feel bad because they live in the, in the, in the outdoors. And so the dust gets them all the time. Their floor is made out of dust. They sleep on the earth. So their clothes will get soiled. And so that relates to the Bedouin, which Murabt al-Hajj was Bedouin. But that's an example when you read these stories. These are real stories. These aren't, these aren't uh, made-up stories. These are real stories that, you know, there's people that... And it's not that they can necessarily read your heart, but Allah will... It can be on their tongue and... They just say that thing at that time because that's what you need to hear. And so that's why they say when you're with the, the awliya, you have to guard your heart. Right? When you're with the salihun. When I Allah we don't claim anything about anybody. Allah knows who his awliya are, but nahsibuhum kadarika. We think of them that. We have a good opinion of these people. We should really have an opinion of every Muslim is a wali. That should be our opinion because wilaya, there's wilaya amma and wilaya khasa. Wilaya amma, every Muslim, Allahu waliu ladina amanu. Allah is the wali of every believer. So every believer is in wilaya with Allah. And those believers could be amongst people that you think are non believers at the time. So you should even consider non believers are possibly awliya of Allah. Because you don't know their end. Omar was always a wali of God, even when he was bowing to idols in Mecca. Because Allah's knowledge doesn't change. He doesn't find out something new about Omar. Oh, I didn't know he was going to believe. Allah knows he's going to believe. So he was Allah's friend, even when he was uh, in his state of shirk. In the ilm of Allah, in the knowledge of God. So, the stories are important, and that's why traditionally they've been recorded and, and told for this reason. So, what he's showing is that Imam al Sadafi is taking from Imam al Junaid, because this is the silsila. So, he was really quoting Imam al Junaid the great uh, scholar 
who is praised by all, he's an imam by ijma'. Nobody of Ahl Sunnah rejects his imamah. He's called Imam al-Ta'ifatayn, the people of outward and the people of inward. He says, Al-Junaid al-Hikayat jundun min junuri la yuqawwi biha Allahu abdan al-Muridin. This is the way Allah strengthens the, the bodies of the believers so that they can do more. Wa kana Sayyidin min turi rahimuallah lam yazal yunshiduna and then Sidi al-Mawaq is saying, Sidi al-Minturi, his shaykh, would always recite these poems, Usrud hadith al-Sariqina wa sammihim. Tell the stories of the righteous and name them. Fabidhikrihim tatanazir al-Rahamatu. Because of mentioning their stories, you feel the mercy of Allah descend. Wahdur majalisuhum. Tanal barakatihim. Sit in their gatherings. You will get their blessings. Wa quburuhum. Zurha. Zurha. And visit their tombs after they die. For the sake of Allah, because it's a, it's a ziyara to a, a brother for the sake of Allah, right? Or a sister. When I was in Cyprus, I went to visit somebody in Cyprus. Uh, um Haram is buried there, Al Ansariya. We went and visited her place. Now, obviously, you know, there are people that call people that do that quburiyun and things like that. The, the, the tombs of the Salihin, uh, they serve the religion. And you're visiting them out of love for them. You make dua for them. Uh, th- this, is, uh, this has been a, a sunnah. The Prophet ﷺ visited Hamza. He visited the Baqi'ah. He used to go to Baqi'ah. He said, Kuntu anhaakum an fazuruha. You know, I used to tell you don't visit the graves because he was worried. But after he knew that they understood Islam, he sent them uh, to the graves to visit them. They remind you of the akhirah. That's a primary reason. But visiting people for the sake of Allah is one of the, the a- aspects of our religion. And those who serve the religion, you visit them. Because من زارة لا إلا لله He didn't But what people do at tombs, there's a lot of munkarat. And that's why uh, people that don't know the adab of visiting a grave shouldn't visit them. And that's part of the problem. Even at the Prophet's tomb, people do things that are uh, incorrect there. You know, and a lot of the reaction of that group against the people of visiting graves comes from genuine problems at grave sites in the Muslim world. There's a lot of bid'ah, there's a lot of munkarat. There, there's people that go and sit and they tie knots, the nuta, which was a jahili practice at the graves. You know, so these are these are problems. But generally, if you're in a place and there's righteous people um, that they're they're they call them mazar, uh, then it's good to go and say salam because they we believe they can hear you in in the grave. He didn't say salamu alayhim. He he did kafan muhataba. He used the word that you speak to a person who's present. And there's a khilaf about can the dead hear or not hear, but the majority of ulama have always said they can hear. Some of the people uh, say that that was a khas of the Prophet when he spoke to the people in Badr, uh, in, in their graves. Um, and the Sahaba asked, can they hear? Uh, and the, the verse in the Quran that, you, you, you know, you, won't, you can't make the dead hear, that is about, and even if you read in the context of the ayah, it's about the, the, 
making the dead of hearts, you can't get the message to them. If their heart is dead, they're not going to hear. Like the poet said, you, you, you would have made him hear if you were calling a dead person. But the one you're calling has no life. He's talking about dead heart. Because at Qulub Tamutu Kamatamut al Abdan, the Prophet said that hearts die just like bodies die. I've called this book the path, not sunan, sanan. The sanan, you will follow the path of those who went before you. So it's sanan. Uh, he said it could be called a tadalli wa taraqi, going up and going down. It begins with going down, and it ends with ascending up. وَبِاللَّهِ أَسْتَعِينَ I ask Allah for help. وَعُوذُ بِهِ سُبْحَانَهُ أَنْ أَقُولَ فِي عِلْمٍ بِغَيْرِ عِلْمٍ And I seek refuge in Allah to speak about knowledge without knowledge. Or to act in this religion. أَوْ أَعْمَلَ فِي الدِّينَ بِغَيْرِ يَقِينَ Or to act without certainty. وَحَسْبِيَ اللَّهِ لَا إِلَهِ إِلَّهُ عَلَيْتَ وَكَلْتَ وَهُوَ رَبَّ الْعَرْشُ الْعَظِيمِ وَمَا تَوْفِيقِ إِلَّا بِاللَّهِ and my intention here is to follow, even in my expressions. So I will use expressions that have already been used by ulama before me. So I'm going to begin with Abu Hamid's beginning of the Ihya. So he begins the book just quoting directly from the Ihya. Ahmed Allah Rabbi Hamdan Katira. I praise Allah, my Lord, with great praise. الذي جعل الليل والنهار خلفة لمن أراد أن يذكر أو أراد شكورا. I praise Allah with a great praise, the one who made the night and the day to to interchange alteration of night and day for the one who wants to remember in it and for the one who wants to be constantly grateful. وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد الذي بعده بالحق بشيرا ونذيرا. Praise be to the one and prayers. Benedictions on our master Muhammad ﷺ, who was sent with truth uh, as a, warn, a, a giver of glad tidings and a warner. Amma ba'd, as what follows, as for what follows. Allah has made this earth easy to traverse. So that they would take in it uh, a place where they could alight upon. فَيَتَزَوَّدُونَ مِنْهَا مُحْتَرِزِينَ مِنْ مَصَائِدِهَا So that they could fortify themselves with what they need in the next stage of the journey and guard against its traps. وَمَعَاطِبِهَا And the places where you can be destroyed. وَيَتَحَقَّقُونَ أَنَّ الْعُمَرِ يَسِيرُ بِهِمْ سَيْرَ السَّفِينَةِ بِرُكَّابِهَا And they realize that life moves with them the way a, a ship moves with its passengers. We're on a ship. We don't feel like we're moving. I was once, people have heard this story before, but I was once in Arizona, and I was with uh, Sheikh Abdullah Wadda Ahmedna, one of the uh, great Mauritanian scholars, uh, the grandson of Murat al-Hajj, and, a, and a, a first-rate scholar in his own right. Um, he actually memorized Sahih al-Bukhari in my house. Um, he, uh, we were we we were on uh, uh, one of those uh, 
those electronic uh, walkways that they have in airports. And he'd never been on one before. He grew up in the Sahara. And initially, if you watch people that aren't familiar with them, they're very scared when they get on because it's, it's very weird to get on and have the earth move under you. So we got on, and he was like, subhanAllah. You know, he's just amazed. And, he's, and then we're, we're just on it, moving. And he said, this is just like dunya. You know, you think you're, you're standing still, but you're moving towards the end. And I swear, as Allah is my witness, when we got to the end, there was a sign warning the end comes abruptly. <laughs> and I translated it for him. I said, subhanAllah, hadha indhar al-nihaya ta'ti baghdatan. And he just said, subhanAllah. That ahl dunya fi ghafla. People of dunya are in ghafla. And so he's saying that it's like you're on a ship. And then he says, uh, The first alighting place is Al-Mahad. We were all in a crib or some type of bed, right, of a baby. All of us that were here. At one point, we begin this earthly journey in a crib. And it ends with the Lahad. From the Mahad to the Lahad. It ends in a grave. And, and between the two, and then he said, وَالْوَطَنْ الْجَنَّةَ وَالنَّارِ So this is a journey, and the, the land you're going to is either a paradise or a hell. One or the other. No third place. وَالْعُمْرُ مَسَافَةُ هَذَا السَّفَرِ Life is the distance of the journey, and we don't know how long our distances are. We have a relative understanding but we don't know how long it is. وَالسِّنُونَ marahil. The years are the marahil. A marhala is the amount of time that it takes to travel in one day, walking for the Arab. They call it a marhala. It's from the rihla. Yarhalu. Rahila yarhalu. To move on a journey. So the marhala is, is what it takes it's, it's around, the Malikis say it's around uh, 45 kilometers. It's about 20, 28 miles. Some say it's 24 miles. Some say, I think the Hanafis have a, uh, it's, it's longer. But these are classical ways of measuring distance. So the, the years are like marahil. Ash-shuhur farasikh. The months are like the farsakh, which is a Persian word, parsang which is another type of measurement. These are sharia measurements, by the way. And, and there's a khilaf about how far a parsang is. But it's about three miles. The parsang, the farsakh, is w- the amount of walking that you will do before you'll want to sit down and rest for a little bit. So that's a farsakh. He's saying that's a month. Al-ayamu amyal, the days are miles. So the meal... Is the, uh, uh, is the distance before something on the horizon will start dipping. So the mail. In, in English we call it a mile, but it's from Arabic. The meal is clearly from Arabic. And, and this was a sharia category. There's a khilaf about it based on the khilaf of the farsah. So some say it's 3,000 dhira doing this, or 100,000 uh, uspek. Uh, so you can go out, you know, and measure how much. 
If it's 3,000, then it's about 48 miles, English miles. Um, the, the Malikis have a khilaf about it. Is it, is it 1,500 or, 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 um, or 2,000? They, they differ on the uh, amount. The Mauritanians go by 32 miles, so the, the suffer with them is 32 miles. Most, uh, the Shafi'is, I think, go by 48 miles, and the Hanafis are a little longer. Well, do you know? It's 48 English miles, right? So, so he's saying the mile is like the days. And your breaths are like steps. Every breath is a step towards your end. Obedience is what you're going to, to in the souk. It's what you're taking to sell. To, right? So your bid'ah is, is obedience to Allah. That's what, you're, that's what you're going to sell when you get to the marketplace that determines whether you're bankrupt or whether you're rich. Your time is your capital. And your appetites are highway brigands on this journey. They're the brigands on the road that will steal from you your bid'ah. They'll, they'll steal your, your, what you have. And your prophet is having victory with the meeting of Allah in the abode of peace. With great dominion, you're given mulk and you're given great uh, pleasure. But if you're at loss, may Allah protect us. It's the losing this great prophet. And would that all you did was just lose. But you also get a painful chastisement. In the descending stairs of hell. So the one who's heedless of, of, of the breaths he takes until they're over in not using them to draw him near to Allah, he has exposed his soul to being cheated out of this great prophet on, uh, with loss and shame and what those two entail. And for this reason, and for this reason, a shatabi in his muafaqat says, for this reason, the early community, the righteous Salaf, Salaf al-Salih, they conquered their souls and put them under the difficulties of doing a lot of ibadah. And they considered wajib and mandub to be the same 
and the, in, 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 in doing good, and they, pers- they considered the muharram and the makruh to be the same in avoiding it. And they considered that the one that did not fill his breast with good was uh, useless. If you, didn't, if you weren't doing good. Qala Ali, وَقَالَ عَلَى هَذَا وَقَالَ عَلِيٌّ هَذَا نَبَّهَ حَدِيثَ النَّدَامَةِ قَالَ وَعَلَى هَذَا نَبَّهَ حَدِيثُ النَّدَامَةِ The Arabic has its little tricks. وَعَلَى هَذَا And upon this نَبَّهَ حَدِيثُ النَّدَامَةِ The hadith about nadama is reminding us يوم القيامة يندم المحسن ألا يكون أزداد وَيَنْدِمَ الْمُسِيءُ أَلَّا يَكُونَ نَزَعَ On the Yom Qiyamah, the one who did good will regret that he didn't do more, and the one that did evil will regret that he didn't decease from it. قَالَ السُحْنُونَ The great Maliki scholar. رَأَيْتُ إِبْنَ الْقَاسِمُ وَغَيْرُهُ فَمَا رَأَيْتُ مِثْرَ عَبْدَ الرَّحِيمُ I saw Ibn Qasim and I saw others, but I didn't see anybody like Abdul Rahim. الرَّبْعِي he was uh, considered, he was called the Zahid, very pious man. Uh, Sahnun said about him, I knew the outward of the others, but I knew his inward. There's a story that Sahnun used to always ask Ibn al-Qasim for dalil, right? And one day he, they were sitting on a, a pier, and Ibn al-Qasim was sewing something, and he dropped the needle, and a fish came up with the needle in his mouth and gave it back to him. He said, after that, I never asked him for Dalil. <laughs> you know, the Maliki has never asked for Dalil in fiqh. And this is why if you read the Mutawana, Malik had two majlis. He had the majlis of hadith and the majlis of fiqh. The other madhabs tended to focus on Dalil in the fiqh, but Malik didn't. He he, 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 he saw fiqh and hadith were two separate sciences. Fiqh was the istimbab. And, and, and his students, he expected them to know the hadith. So it's not that they didn't have dalils, but he didn't mix them. And traditionally, the fuqaha were often not uh, great muhaddithin. Some of them were. Malik, out of the four imams, is the only one to con- be considered uh, at the highest rank of hadith. Ahmed is a muhaddith and a faqih, but he's of a lower rank than Imam Malik in hadith. Imam Shafi'i was a muhaddith and a faqih, but he's lower than Ahmed in, in hadith. Abu Hanifa was a muhaddith. They were all muhaddithun, but, but their rank uh, was not the rank of Malik. Malik had the highest rank of his generation in the hadith, which is why Imam al-Bukhari considered the silsila dhahabiya, the soundest chain, the golden chain, was Malik and nafi and Ibn Umar. If he found that, he didn't consider there to be a higher chain in hadith. But they're all muhaddithun, all of them. وَمِنْ كَرَامِ السَّحْنُونَ أُنْظُرْ أَبَدًا الْأَمْرَيْنِ يَكُنْ فِيهِمَ الثَّوَابِ فَأَثْقَلُهُمَ عَلَيْكَ هُوَ الْأَفْضَرِ Always look, if, you're, if you have two things that you're deciding about, look at the reward. And the, the, the heaviest one on you is the best. Now there is a hadith, ma khuyira Rasulullahi, Aisha radiallahu anhu said, ma khuyira Rasulullahi bayna amrain illa akhtara aysarahuma. He wasn't given a choice between two things except he chose 
the, the easier of the two things. And there's a lot of different interpretations about what that hadith meant. But th there is a there is a hadith that the Prophet ﷺ told Aisha, al-ajru ala qadr al-nasab. You know, the reward is in, in how much you exert yourself in a thing. So there's a lot of reward. Reminding yourself that your body has a right as well. But Sahnoon was somebody who practiced, one of uh, his students said about him, he said, كَانَ كَرَامُهُ لِلَّهِ إِذَا أَرَادَ أَنْ يَتَحَدَّثْ كَانَ يَسْكُتْ وَإِذَا أَرَادَ أَنْ يَتَكَلَّمْ وَإِذَا أَرَادَ أَنْ يَسْكُتْ كَانَ يَتَكَلَّمْ That if his nafs wanted to speak, he would go silent. And if his nafs wanted to be silent, he would speak. So he was doing riyadha, you know, tarbiyah. He was, he, he was uh, doing that. And that's a, a level of, of awareness about... Because the speaking is a... It's very dangerous. The tongue is, I, I think Dr. Omar's talking about that in his class. Uh, and then, Having too many friends, Facebook people, listen up. Having too many friends will waste your uh, time. It's, it's going to diminish your ability to do good deeds. You know. And I tell you, this is an age where Iblis, man, he has tools he's never had before. People could not backbite if they were alone. Not that long. You couldn't backbite if you were alone. Now, you can backbite all the time. You know what so-and-so did? Really? Wow. What an idiot. Yeah, LOL. You know. They're all doing it. Just saying things. They sit, now people in the same circle will say things about somebody in the very circle. So it's, it's a new type of backbiting. Because they're present but they're unaware that you're saying something about them. Like, what an idiot. Click. It goes to them and they're, you know, snicker, snicker. Yuck, yuck. قال المحاسب تبدأ في أوامر الله بالأوجب بالأوجب. Uh, Imam al-Muhasibi, one of the great uh, people of uh, Tazkiyah, he was also, uh, Ahmed spoke very highly of him. He said, in the, in the commands of Allah, always begin with the most awjab, fal-awjab. In other words, triage. The most important, do all the, always do those first. Always pray the fard before you do any nafila, unless the nafila precedes the fard. Like for Dhuhr, you have four before. But, but always, if you haven't prayed Dhuhr, uh, and it's Dhuhr time, don't think about doing some other act of, of goodness. Um, and then, وَالْأَفْضَلْ فَالْأَفْضَلْ Do the best, and then the, the next best. فَإِنْ لَمْ يَتَبَيِّنْ لَكَ فِي أَمْرَيْنَ أَيِّهِمَا أَفْضَلْ And if it's not clear to you in, in, in the two matters which one is better, وَأَوْجَبْ فَأَتِ الَّذِي هُوَ أَذْقَرُ عَلَى قَلْبِكَ if you can't determine which one is more of an obligation, then do the one that's heaviest on your heart. Because you're not safe from your hawa, you'll want to do the easier one on your nafs, 
right? So the nafs will trick you into, this, oh, you should do that first, but it's really, it, it just wants to get out of doing the other one. If he still can't decide, then think about you're going to die right away. Which one would you rather have in your mizan? If you can only do one before you die. That's another way of looking at it. وَإِنْ كَانَتْ غَافِرَةً عَاصِيَةً لَا تَتَمَنَّ لِقَاءَ اللَّهِ وَلَا تُحِبُّ إِلَّا عَلَى الْخَيْرِ إِلَّا عَلَى الْخَيْرِ وَالصَّافِ Because the nafs, even though it's in heedlessness and it's disobedient, it doesn't want to meet Allah unless it's in a good state. الَّذِي تَرْجُوا أَنْ يُنْجِيَهُ مِنْ عَذَابِ اللَّهِ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَلَى لِأَنَّهُ لَا هُوَنْ لَهَا عِنْدَ الْمَوْتِ فِي الدُّنْيَا the hawa is about things in this world. Qara Abu Hamid, Imam al-Ghazali, وَكُلُّ نَفْسٍ مِنْ أَنْفَاسِكَ خَاتِمَةٌ إِذْ يُمْكِنُ أَنْ يَكُونَ الْمَوْتُ مُتَصِرًا بِهِ So every breath that you take could be your last because death will be in one of those breaths. أَنْظُرْ وَعَلَى فَرَضًا أَنْهُ لَيْسَ بِآخِرِ نَفْسٍ So think about this hypothetically that it's not your last breath. فَقَدْ قَالَ أَرْبَابَ الْقُلُوبِ مَا مِنْ نَفْسٍ تُبْدِهِ إِلَّا وَلَهُ قُدْرَ فِيكَ يُمْضِيَهُ So no breath will come from you except that it's been decreed that you will finish it. يَجِبُ عَلَيْكَ أَنْ تَصْرِفْ ذَلِكَ النَّفَسْ فِي طَاعَةِ مَوْلَاكَ So you should use it in the obedience of Allah. وَتَرْضَى بِمَا يَرِدُ عَلَيْكَ مِنْهُ وَإِنْ uh, that it's going against your passion or your desire. But in sawwafta had a nafas, the nafas in akhar, if you procrastinate this nafas thinking that you have another breath, dhahaba had a nafas, wasayal haquka alayh al asaf. You will lose that breath and, and you will regret it down the road. Qaratajuddin, let's taraqab furug al aghyar, fi nadarika yaqtauka an wujudi muraqabatin lahu, fi mahua muqimu kafi. وَقَالَ إِحَادَتُكَ الْعَمَالَ عَلَى وُجُودَ الْفَرَاغِ مِنْ رُعُنَاتِ النُّفُوسِ He's saying that putting off actions based on this idea that you're going to have leisure time to do it is one of the blemishes of the soul. وَأَنْذُرْ And you're doing Ibn Asher now. One of the things Ibn Asher says, وَعَلَمَنَّ رَصَدِ الْأَفَاتِ حُبْرِ يَاسِتِ وَطَرْحُ الْآسِ That the, the root of all of the sinfulness is love of leadership and putting off what's coming, procrastination. And there's a hadith, a taswifu shi'aru shaitan. Procrastination is is the uh, is uh, uh, the Satan's slogan. You got time, don't worry. Be able to do it. Somebody asked Sahal bin Abdullah Tusturi, "Meta yistarih al-faqir? When will the 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 poor one get repose. When his time runs out. Because the hadith says, المُسْتَرِيحُ وَالْمُسْتَرَحُ مِنْهُ أُنْذَرْ هَذَا مَعَ الَّذِي قَالُوهُ إِنَّهُ وَالْتَصَوُّفُ أَنْ يَكُونَ فِي الْوَقْتِ فِي مَا هُوَ أَوْلَى فِي الْوَقْتِ 
It's been said that tasawwuf is simply to be doing at any given time the most appropriate thing for that time. And this is why there's a famous statement of Sufi ibn waqtihi. The Sufi is the, is the son of the moment. In other words, he's, he or she is aware of the moment that they're in and the preciousness of that moment and that it could be the last moment. And so they're always doing what is best uh, at that moment. وَقَالَ تَاجُدِينَ فِي حِكَمِهِ So Tajuddin uh, in his the uh, حِكَمَ الْعَطَائِيَ Ibn Atayla said حُقُوقَ الْأَوْقَاتِ لَا يُمْكِنُ قَضَاؤُهَا إِذْ مَا مِنْ وَقْتٍ يَرِدْ إِلَّا وَلِلَّهِ تِيهِ عَلَيْكَ حَقٌ جَدِيدٌ أَوْ أَمْرٌ أَكِيدٌ فَكِيفَ تَقْضِي فِيهِ حَقَ غَيْرِهِ وَأَنْتَ لَمْ تَقْضِي حَقَ اللَّهِ فِيهِ the, the, the rights of, 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 of times, of specific times, you can never fulfill them. Because there's no time that comes except God has in it a, a new right and a confirmed matter. So how could you complete the rights of other than it if you, can, if, if you can't complete the haqq of Allah in it? So... You have to do your best. قال عياض كان مالك لا يره أحد من أهله ولا من أصدقائه إلا متعمما لا بسنتيابه لا يضحك ولا يتكرم فيما لا يعني يقول لا يكون العالم عالما حتى يكون كذلك حتى يحتاط لنفسه بما لو تركه لم يكن عليه في إثم قال عياض said مالك لا يراه أحد من أهله ولا من أصدقائه إلا متعمما لا بسنتيابه. Nobody, even his own family members or his friends, ever saw him without his turban on and and dressed properly. He didn't laugh a lot, and he never spoke about what didn't concern him. And he used to say, "A scholar is not a scholar until he's like that." حتى يحطط لنفسه that he is careful about his soul, that he, if he left it to its own devices, it, it still wouldn't be sinful. His, his soul is under control. Any, uh, any, any, oh, I wanted to just, yeah, go ahead. I wanted to, you know, they, they had a border incident. May Allah protect this country. Um, I want to mention something. You know, we're living in a time where, where you have these, um, these people uh, you know, we're living in a time when you have these people, these mad people doing crazy things, killing indiscriminately. The Prophet ﷺ said, Whoever fights under a blind flag, you fight under a blind flag. In other words, you don't know who you're really fighting for. When you die, it's a jahadi death. And there's a blind flag people doing all this. So we don't know who they are, we don't know who's involved in these things. 
And, 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 and in the same hadith, it says that, that they, don't, they don't distinguish between innocence and guilt, which is the essence of terrorism. You can't, you can't blow people up when you go into a place and just kill people. Muslims would never have done that. These are completely demonstrable. The hadith in Sahih Bukhari, which was related by, uh, you know, that Bukhari is a son of Allah, it's related by Hudaytah ibn Yaman, who knew a lot about the end time, who was very interested in the end time. He relates a lot of hadith about this time. I think he's inside a And Hudayba said, That people were asking the Prophet about good, but I asked him about evil, out of fear that I might find it. So, he said, Ya Rasulullah, Kuddu, Ya Rasulullah, Kunna, Fi Ja'ariyyatin wa Sharqa, Jana Allahu Fi Hada Khayr, Fahal Ba'da Hada Khayr Min Sharqa. O Messenger of Allah, we were in Jahadiyya, this age of zealot ignorance and, and evil. So, it is after this evil, uh, it is after this good, and then God brought this good to us, is after that good any evil? And the Prophet said, Nah. Then is there good again after that evil? He said, Nah. Yes, but it will be tainted. It will have like the, the effects of like a fire. When, when a house gets on fire, you get the, the soot that's on the wall. It will have the effect. And then he said, What's this soot? And he said, Oh, a people that will guide with other than my guidance. And who that can be used? Ibn says it can be used for balala or for good or evil. The word has yahadiyah that it can this means to lead, but generally it means good. God, do that. Yeah, you will know things from them, and other things you won't know. And these are all those groups that came in to Islam. They, they definitely have a lot of things from Islam, but then they have things that aren't from Islam. So you'll know things, and other things you won't know. And then, so then he said, and then is there evil after that good? He really wants to get to the end of this. Is there evil after that good that has done in it? He said, no. Preachers on the doors of hell. When those who respond to them, they will fling them into hell. 
trying to speak it to us. Honing in Jesusina. They're they're Arabs. They're from our they're new Jesusina. They're the same as us. They are going to quote our words. They will, they will speak using our language. They are calling to the gates on the gates of hell. If you respond to them, they will thrust you into hell. And then what, what should I do if I see that? Follow the Jama'ah and the Imam. Right? The Sultan, authority. Amazing. Alhamdulillah. What if there's no Khalifa and no and no uh, and no uh, Jama'ah? This is just the Firaq of Then avoid all the sects. When even if you have to cling to the root of a tree until death comes to you. And don't be deluded by any claims of Imam and Jama'at because the Imam of the Muslims is one thing. And, and there has to be a consensus. I mean, this whole idea of Sayyidina Allah said, if anybody claims to be Caleb, don't give him bayah. Said that in he said, if anybody claims to be Caleb, don't give him there. I mean, I could declare to that, to that. I mean, really, I'm Caleb, you have to take there with me. I'm from California. <laughs> it actually is from Arabic. Did you know that? Yeah. There was a Spanish novel about the land of the Caleb. It was called California. 16th century Spanish novel. The Spanish in the Gapi, California named it after, after this novel. So it really is the land of the Caleb. <laughs> I, I'm not, that's a historical fact. <laughs> so this hadith says, You're going to have bad rulers. But their good outweighs their evil because they bring order. They Whatever good they do, they have the reward. And be grateful for it. See, all people who ever complain about these rules, they don't think about the fact that they actually have roads in their countries. They have the you know the the the, the toilets flush. You know that's that's a great blessing to have amenities. You know, I mean, I was on a, a flight once, and there was somebody from one of the Arab states, I won't say which one it was, and, and, and I asked him why he liked the Emirates. And I, was, I said, because the Emirates, he said, yeah. I said, you like it? He said, yeah. I said, why? He said, man, we have to shower, because they, they serve their people, which is true. 
and then and then and then and then and I said, what well, and your government doesn't serve your people. He said, Hold on. They don't do anything for us. I said, Thank you, Dr. Rose. Yes, he leaves like that to go, right? I said, Do you have like you know, amenities in the market? I mean, who, who brings the water to your house? Who, who desalinates it? Right? You know, it's like people don't think, so he's saying, be grateful for the good they do. Right? And if they're, whatever wrongs they do, they have that sinfulness, and you should be patient. This is, the, this is you know, I mean, this is, this is our tradition. People don't want it. Oh, there's revolution. Well, welcome to it. Welcome to the revolution. I hope everybody's happy. You know, all these millions of people that have lost their homes, and all these children, and all these bombs and destruction. I mean, this is, this is revolution. This is what happens. People say, well, how do we get rid of the injustice? The Quran says, it's pretty clear, Quranic narrative, change your souls and Allah will change your condition. But if you want to change your conditions without changing your souls, then you're It'll never be. It'll never be. It's not gonna happen. People want to, they say, no, we have to change the top. No, our tradition is to change the bottom, and Allah will change the top. But if you try to change the top, then he's told us not to go against rulers. So let them be forewarned. If they go against his his message, right? They will be afflicted with civil strife, right? Or a painful chastisement, right? And that's what I'm saying. Uh, what are the ways in which we can balance our happiness in this dunya that comes from our families, careers, etc., uh, and our spiritual connection to the eternal? And I mean that. I think everybody knows that there's a lot of blessings despite the tribulations. There are many great blessings. Family is one of them. Health is another. Uh, friendship is another. All those things are blessings that that should make us happy. But the point of this is just to realize that this abode is not an abode of happiness by its nature. It's not the nature of the abode. It's Darul Bala. It's the abode of tribulation. Imam al-Junaid says, إِذَا تُوَطَّنْ نَفْسَكَ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ هَذِهِ الدَّارِ دَارُ Bala. Right? If, if you accustom yourself to know that this abode that you're in, dunya, is an abode of tribulation, he says, تَعَبُكَ رَاحَ Right? Your exhaustion will be repose and your preoccupation will be leisure time. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. Everybody, we all have our tribulations. Nobody here doesn't have tribulations. I guarantee you, there's nobody in this room who doesn't have tribulations in their life. Nobody. But the, the bounties of Allah are greater than any of the tribulations we have, no matter how hard they are. And Ibn Abbas said, whatever tribulation you're in, it could be worse. If you lost one eye, you could have lost two eyes. If you lost one arm, you could have lost another arm. If you lost your husband, you could have lost your whole family. And he said that is a source of gratitude. 
You know, just that it could have been worse. And maybe you dislike a thing and, and it's good for you. And maybe you want something, but it's not good for you. Allah knows and you don't know. So let Allah choose for you. Don't choose for yourself. I didn't get that job. I'm so disappointed. Maybe that job would have taken you away from your deen. You know. You don't know. Even losing family and things like that, you don't know if it's better for them. Could be a rahmah for them. What would be the purpose or need to do something uh, our blessed Prophet did not do considering that he said what is not from me and keeping in mind the great love and care of our Prophet for his ummah would, would he miss out from telling us that which is beneficial for us? Everything that he, he told us everything was beneficial either by its genus or by its species. Either by the jinns or by the nu'ah. So there's nothing of good that you can do that, you know, I mean, I, I was saying to somebody, you know, there's no, there's nothing new, there's no, nothing new. Like a car is just a new way of moving. But we've always moved. It's just a new way of moving. He said, what about FedEx? And I said, well, like you had carrier pigeons, you know. They used to, do you know about the cherries? The ruler in Egypt, he wanted cherries, and they were in Sham. So they sent the pigeons, they would tie the cherries to the pigeons, and they sent them, and they would, <laughs> like that. One of our Muslims in America has that fruit company, where you, he sends fruit in the mail. Or edible, edible, edible arrangements. So everybody, if, you, if you're in America, you should use his service. He supports Zaytuna, so. <laughs> yeah. The more he makes, the more he gives. Yeah. It's good, you know, for, to support Muslims. Uh, is that it? No other question? Time's up. Good. Allah Akbar. Subhanakallah. Alhamdulillah. Shadu an la ilaha anta astaghfiru